Hello, and welcome back to Inside the Asperger Studios, Season 4. Today on the show, I have Patty Leisha, my co-host, joined with Jacqueline Kors. Patty's going to be doing the interviewing, and I'll ask some questions as well. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asper Studios. Today, I'm joined with my co-host, Patty, and Jacqueline. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me on this beautiful Friday. I can't wait to talk to you both. All right, Patty, so why don't you start us off? All right, sure. So, uh, Jackie, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I am from originally from Michigan, moved out here in the 90s, and I am the mom of four adopted African-American kiddos who would not want me calling them kiddos anymore because they're 15 through 29. I used to be in nonprofit work and a couple of years ago became very interested in becoming a coach for autistic adults, and that's me. Awesome. So how did you get into coaching autistic young adults? I was asked by a friend to try a class and I had a little bit of an interest because there's someone very near and dear to my heart, uh, a young man who is autistic. And our relationship had started with me helping him get to appointments if his mother was not in town like he had to do a sleep study and I, I had driven him and we, I'd watched his life in the last, I don't know, six, seven years that I've known him. I've watched his life go from a lot of anxiety, a lot of unhappiness to really finding his place in the world, masking less. He's a chef, a lover of heavy metal, and yeah. I just, we, we, yes, we just, for some reason, really connect. And when I just quick story about that, when I decided to host a group coaching event for autistic adults, he would be there in the group kind of consulting me on the side. So I would get it right. And then we kind of have a debriefing after the meeting and he'd let me know what I needed to change that would fit our audience better. So we've been close for quite a while now. And it was his mother that asked me if I would join her coaching program and, and get the education. So I was pretty interested at that point. And then in the coaching program, I had peers, right? Some were doctors and nurses. Some had children that had autism. And then we had a couple self-advocates. And when I learned they were in their twenties and when I learned what their life was like with autism, trying to navigate work and school and relationships and fatigue and burnout. And, you know, it's already mm -hmm. hard to be in that transition and then to try to um, have a good life without help, it just made me want to be a coach and help with that, you know, 
Yeah. So I was hooked at that point. Nice. Nice. So what does your typical day look like then? I have ADHD. So there is a lot of self-care that has to go in so that I can get my work done and make sure I don't spend too many hours at it. I jump out of bed, walk my Huskies around the subdivision, get my kiddo to school, and then I will meet with clients that are on the East Coast. I will take breaks and get family chores done. And in order to do that, I really have to like make it fun. So I get my jobs done. Just like I tell my clients, you know, I've got to either listen to a podcast or music and Maybe there's a treat when I'm done, you know, do something you know, to get I know myself this going. Podcast, this podcast, it's hosted by this guy, Reed Miles. You should check it out. <laughs> I have. I just listened to his last one when I was doing the dishwasher yesterday. Nice, um, nice. I loved it. And you two were talking a lot about ADHD. So I was, was right in my lane of, of understanding. And I... Mm-hmm. Um, I then meet with my afternoon clients, pick up my kiddo, and then, you know, the day is pretty done, unless I'm talking to Patty on the phone about something. (laughs) (laughs) Then it might be 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) But I, but I, you know, I'm not autistic, and I have no autistic children. I, but I have significant ADHD, and I feel like there's times I can so relate Mm. to my client's life, even if, you know, even if they don't Mm. have ADHD. Yes, I mean, we have similarities. That's because ADHD and ASD, I mean, they're both like a Venn diagram. I mean, they share common, a lot of common traits, hyperactivity, yeah. hyper-focus, create, creativity, mm-hmm. and a lot more. That's why when a lot of people go get diagnosed, they think they have ASD, and then, but it turns out they, they only have ADHD. Uh-huh. Yeah, I consider them cousins. Cousin- I like that. Yeah. yeah, I can so relate. Yes, makes to- it makes total sense. So, Jackie, I understand you have worked uh, with college age students before. So, um, Reed and I are both curious to know um, when you see people going to college, uh, where where do you see them struggling the most? The big point I want to make here is we go to high school and if things are going well in high school, we might have an IEP. So Mm -hmm. we've got a whole support team helping us. Mom and dad are usually at the helm therapists. There might be other people. We've got our community of supporters, right? And if you go away to college, that changes completely. And when I'm, when I'm working with college students and we're preparing for their leaving the nest, we talk a lot about that because I try to make my clients comfortable with finding their new group, whether it's going to be, you know, professors, mental health care on campus, going to professor's hours, their roommate, their resident advisor in their hall, building their group. I mean, that is, I was just reading a study that that's like the greatest success factor of someone making it through their college career is they rebuild their support system. And then if they're not ready to be at the helm and they'd rather their parents not be at the helm, a coach can be there offering that support. So that's like the the biggest thing there. And then the little stuff that's not really so little is just being ready to work through the syllabus 
and figure out where things are on campus, where the resources are, making time for special interests, like that we actually, you know, put that on the calendar, that they bring their uh, soothing toolkit with them of, you know, weighted blanket, whatever helps, those kinds of things. And then we try to maintain our relationship while they're on campus so that we can work through stuff. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's that awesome. is awesome. Thank you. So from, from your perspective, what are some of the challenges you see the autism community facing today? What do you I would I would be remiss if I didn't say that the like number one issue is mental health. Um, they say that eighty four percent of the autistic population has anxiety issues, and so we have that happening along with autism. And then I, I don't know what's happening throughout the country, but clearly in California, where I live, there are waiting lists to get in with therapists. And there, so there's just not enough support for that. I have clients that are on waiting lists or their therapists have left. Mm. So that's like number one, hands down, I would say the issue that's coming up for me with, with clients and what they're telling me is is their mental health. And then the other issues are when, when they're at this transitional stage and, and, you know, my clients tend to be somewhere between 18 years old and 40 they're you know, I think all of that's a transitional age for someone and maybe the parents are, um, there's a good relationship in the family, but there's all those external forces looking in at that family and that individual thinking that they're not realizing that we just went through COVID and a lot of people are burned out and, or that uh, high school was exhausting and they're just still working through those issues, right? And what those external forces are saying is, why isn't your son or daughter making the milestones? Why aren't they working? Why aren't they dating someone? You know, they think that they're being lazy mm. and they're really depressed, burned out, mm -hmm. exhausted, right? Yeah, uh, I know that too well. I mean, I have a close friend I've met online who's autistic and his family comes from a very old school background, Mexican family whose father is very, very old school. And when he sees him, he's like, you're lazy or you're, you're not working hard enough. And he doesn't understand that my friend isn't that. It's just that he is just dealing with a lot more than just his ASD. He's got ADHD. He's got severe depression. And he's just trying to work through all that. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're both aware that Devin Price actually wrote a book called Laziness Does Not Exist. And I'll find myself telling parents who are calling me and saying, you know, my relatives are coming to town. What am I going to do? You know, they're going to crucify me again. And I'll be like, we'll really talk about the fact that, you know, to help them explain, number one, to, to build up some um, protections so that they feel more comfortable, some boundaries. Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say, but also to help them have the language to explain that what can what 
can present as laziness doesn't really exist, that no one wants to be depressed and sad. And, you know, we all want to be doing cool stuff and mm-hmm. to explain it so that they can explain it better. Yeah. So Jackie, what are some of the reasons clients come to you? What are what are some of the challenges that you hear that trigger them to seek out uh, an autism life coach? They have that moment where they're nervous to get a life coach. They're nervous to make the step, but the pain of not making a step mm-hmm. becomes you know, greater. So they'll call me and say, I get this a lot. I really am ready for a partner. I really want to start dating. I haven't dated yet. And can you help me figure out how to do this? Or I want more friendships. Can we mm-hmm. figure out how to do that? Um, or I'm in a job and I hate my job. I'm under, you know, I'm underemployed. I really would like to get a different job. Can we figure that out? Or schooling, getting through schooling. I also have had a number of people call me lately that they'll see something online and realize, hmm. I think I'm autistic, but I've, you know, my parents just say we're all autistic or whatever. You helped me get through the process Mm -hmm. of getting the medical diagnosis so I can get accommodations at school or whatever. And we've practiced, you know, being able to talk to the doctor and gone through the checklists. So they're ready to go. I went with a client the other day that was in that situation and she handled it all splendidly, but she knew if she froze that I could help in the interview with the doctor. And it was Mm -hmm. nice because the doctor and she actually hugged at the end of the talk and she's Mm -hmm. working toward getting that diagnosis. Now, Jackie, here's the question. Do a lot of your clients know the difference between a life coach and a therapist? I make sure because I know they come to me needing both most of the time. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the fact that not only am I not a therapist, I'm not a mentor. I'm not a boss. I'm not mom and dad. I mean, I am there at the helm and I cannot provide mental health care to them. I will help them find it. And then I was actually just talking uh, with someone about this this morning while they're on that wait list, which is happening a lot for my clients, we can put some bandage bandages on to like the, you know, are we doing stemming? Are we, um, are they making their room comfortable? Are they eating right and getting sleep to do the little things we can do to get them through while we're waiting, but knowing that I in no way can help them work through the the issues that they have. But I will be there as a listening ear, providing support and troubleshooting with them and ways to get them through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what are some of the strategies you employ with your clients? What are some of your coaching strategies? I know different coaches have different strategies. And I would have to say that the biggest thing is that I am building a safe container for my clients. They know that we have trust. We build a relationship because I think once we have that and I'm providing the scaffolding, I'll ask, how much do you want me to nudge you? 
<laughs> do you want me to nudge you a lot? Do you want me to just back off and we'll just have our weekly meetings? It's things like that. We make, most of my clients make six to eight week goals and we'll work through what the obstacles are, those kinds of things. And then again, we'll meet each week and kind of work through those. Many times they change in the middle of it. But I think active listening, um, my biggest thing I, I tend to ask my clients is because, you know, we'll be listing all the obstacles, right, of why we can't get from A to B. And I'll say, so let's say those did not exist. What would you want to be doing? And that really can clear your mind on what you want in life. And, and we can figure out how to get there after that. Nice. Nice. So when you and I were preparing for this show, yeah. we were talking about, we didn't, I, I didn't actually get clarity on this. So we were talking about a common myth about our field of autism life coaching. Sure. And, and, and it's more of a confusion. People come to us thinking we'll even have them say this came up for us just recently coach slash therapist or counselor and it's like clarifying where our lane is with them that we are not here it's, it's their life we're going to help them get there it is we're not at the helm we are not mentors you know all the things i mentioned therapists all those things so it's defining our role okay yeah in a way that makes sense for them that makes that makes sense good that um, what resources have you used to help you? Number one, I am a firm believer in the idea that we're doing this together. It's with, it's not for. So the autistic people in my life are my biggest resource. And you heard me mention the young man that I go to for advice. But mm -hmm. I, since the beginning of time, I coaches slash podcasters who are autistic. You know, we know Danielle and Carol Ann and anyone that would meet with me, yes. I've talked to, to make sure I get this right. And they're my biggest resource is saying, hey, I think this is what I should do. What are your thoughts? And like Patty, I'm not afraid to ask the world and make sure that I get it right. But I, I do read books. I take classes. You and I just went through an intensive together in Massachusetts. I am constantly, I'm in an art therapy class this weekend to learn some things. I just, everything I can grab a hold of, I do. Yeah. This is my well, special interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. Um, do you ever rely on other ASD life coaches? Yes. Yes, I have relationships with several. And I mentioned Danielle's um, Sullivan is my number one since, since I was trying to learn about autism. And in fact, she and I are gonna try to do some projects together now, which just thrills me to no end. And um, yes, I'm always contacting folks yeah. and asking them. Uh, there's a woman I've learned a lot from, she does the Square Peg podcast and she gets into women's and trans and uh, non-binary topics. And it's been super helpful to me also. That's great, that's great. So we've talked about your coaching clients. Do parents mm -hmm. ever come to you asking for help? A lot, 
Yeah, I think it is. There's this moment that hits where maybe your son or daughter got a diagnosis when they were a lot younger. You understand autism as a parent and then they graduate. And so many mom and dads I actually created a slide presentation the other day for this of they're they're knowing how autism works but they're knowing they're not on this planet forever as parents and they are freaking out <laughs> and they don't know what to do. And they're like, can we just pretend he or she's not autistic? And can we just like jump through the hoops? Cause I'm worried, you know, what's, so it's like calming them down and have, and, and my the big thing I've been doing lately with parents is having them talk to someone who is autistic and in maybe their thirties, or 40s and struggled at 17, 25, and then figured things out. Not that life isn't always with challenges, but they'll see like this, your kids, it's going to happen. It just happens at a different time frame, right? And helping them understand that. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing. And there are some that, I mean, I'm getting emails and we're, they're texting and they're struggling and they're worrying and and trying to calm them and let them know, especially again, if they can talk to people that have gone through that and are a little older now and see that it can happen, that'll be okay in the end. Yeah. That, that's what we go with. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of continuing education. Yeah. I want to go back yeah. to that. Um, what are some of the things that you're researching right now? Everything I can get my hands on, but the big hot topic for me right now, because I'm, I'm seeing everyone struggling with it is executive function. Mm -hmm. ah, big, yes. Executive big. function. And let's, so let's talk about that in terms of homework. If, if you don't mind. Absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great, <laughs> thing to you do. know, this is back to school time and yes, it is. Yep, yep. Dealing with and this, we this, as parents are struggling, mine. <laughs> including mine. Mm. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, not to put my two cents in, I mean, my Please. mother can Please. tell you my own executive functioning is knowing time, yeah. distance yeah. and keeping myself organized and that's the biggest thing is i mean if you look at my desk right now it's a mess yeah. and it's just i have so much trouble even when i was in college my own i tried everything in my own power to keep myself organized yeah. to the point where i said okay i'm gonna read something from my class so i'm a little bit current so when i go in my next class i'm ready it just wouldn't work. Things are just going thrown out the window. It was hard for me when I was away. I mean, because there was nobody to harp on me saying, Reed, you got to get this done. I, I mean, I really struggled for my master's. Yeah, no, it's tough. And I, there's so many points I want to make. And the one thing that comes to mind right away, there's, so, there's a lot of things we want to talk about here, but... I remember friends would try to organize my ADHD ways, right? And it can't be somebody else's system. You've got to figure out for the homework too, what is your system? What is your way? So it's some, you know, you try some things and it absolutely doesn't work. Try some other things and it works. And then another thing I try to be very mindful of, and I think 
Reed, you talked about this on a previous mm-hmm. broadcast, actually, is what we what got us through a lot as neurodiverse people was to light a fire under us with fear, right? That the mm-hmm. project, wait to the last minute, do the project yeah. to the last minute, because adrenaline goes through us and our frontal lobe suddenly engages. That's why, I mean. But we burn you, out if we do that. Um, a YouTuber by the name of Jessica McCabe, oh. who does How to ADHD, and she's talked about how in the, how we always, those of us who have ADHD, the reason why we wait to the last minute is because it's that adrenaline kicking yeah. in, making it exciting for us. And then it just fizzles out. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to get that back because if we keep doing that, our body, our system gets used to it and then it just becomes second hat. And then it's harder to do it all over again. So I'm, I'm trying to help my clients and I, I recommend parents and the support systems in people's lives all con- consider not doing that. And for, you know, students to not do that, to not set yourself up because it's a habit you'll make and then you'll be fried out when you want to go through a master's program. So instead, like little pointers, like you think it's going to take, you you build this, the uh, homework into the schedule and you figure mm-hmm. out, okay, I'm at my best at 10 a.m. If I'm not in class at 10 a.m., that's my time for doing my hardest subject. And if I think it's going to take me an hour, let's give me two hours. And then what do I do with my environment that makes me want to do it? Like my 15 year old, Mm -hmm. he lights the candles. He's got that background music going. He's got his blanket around him while he's doing it. Even if it's a hundred degrees in Sacramento, like creates the aviance so that there is some joy that comes with the thing you're not looking forward to the homework assignment. And then if, if it's my client, I'm, we work on accountability. We go over how it's going. Did you turn it in? That's another big thing. Like, did it actually get in when it was due at midnight? Maybe I'm sending a little text like, okay, it's 1130. How's it going? How much scaffolding they need Mm -hmm. while they're figuring it out. And then that's a thing that helps too, whether it's a parent helping a peer, a coach is in the beginning, there's a lot of support. And then you can, the person lets you know, as they're starting to figure it out themselves, how to do it without someone nudging and helping along the way. No, and then ask- one other thing I want to say that it's a lot of people go back and forth on whether or not to let the school know mm-hmm. that there is autism. And to be able to get that support, if you need to take a little extra time, it's all an individual preference, right? But Mm -hmm. I will, I've had clients where they freaked out and couldn't finish a speech or something at the last minute. And it helped when they had a relationship with their disability office and could have someone go to bat for them or a relationship with their professor to say, you know, can, can you give me a few more hours today or you know, give me that extra time. Now I'm going to ask you something. Have you had a client who's literally taken their work schedule to heart to like, where give you a good example is yeah. my, one of my advisors at school, I have a well-being advisor 
and she gave made me write down a work schedule. Sure. Basically, get up, eat, study, class, eat, class, sleep. I took it to heart yeah. and never gave myself any free time to the point where one day I'm outside just chatting with my friend and one of my friends walks up to me and this goes bluntly read, you look like shit. Mm-hmm. And oh. I'm like, that's because oh. all I've been doing is eating, sleeping, and studying. He's yeah. like, you've never given yourself any time to rest. I'm like, no. Oh, no. He's like, then you need to change your schedule up. Have you had anyone who's done that? I have. And I've had, like when I was group coaching the class, my co-coach was an autistic person. And I had created some content to go over and my co-coach reminded me like it's going to be literal if you say this there's no gray you know it will be followed to a t if it's followed at all it'll be followed to a t so we talk about the flexibility in the schedule number one and number two especially for those who are leaving to go away from Mm -hmm. college because we won't be able to talk as much but we are building in free time having time to relax and have fun. We, that has to be on the schedule because we're here as human beings to enjoy our life. And I want, whether it is you're doing a job, work, whatever, my hope for every human being is you're having fun and enjoying your life too, while you're learning or, you know, making the money, whatever. Yeah. But yes, we talk about, it's super literal. Be careful, Jackie. <laughs> so, you know, parents who might be listening here, um, thinking about their kids leaving for college, mm-hmm. when, I'm not sure how to ask the question, when would you suggest they start preparing mm-hmm. for college or what? I love that question. It, it, it just... Uh, came up this week that I was really giving that a lot of thought because we'll be having an IEP meeting with my son's group soon, right? It's the beginning of the school year. And I think what what my own kiddo knows is going to happen is he's going to lead his IEP meeting. It's going to be a student-led IEP meeting. And I think that's where you start, even when they're younger, even if they're painting what their needs are, are, or drawing on a piece of paper. I think it starts the minute you have a diagnosis, you're preparing them for when they leave someday. And you're building in some self-advocacy for them. And I think uh, if, if it's like high school now and they're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, is there something I could be doing now? I think that is one of the biggest things is to have them be the strongest voice in that meeting and or in other realms of life. We, I did a coaching program on self-advocacy for high school students and Mm -hmm. it it alarmed me, Reed and Patty, on how, how unready the student population is to advocate for themselves. I really want to work with schools on that. And yeah, so I, I think feel you that could, because oh my goodness, yeah, because a lot. I mean, nowadays you hear about all these students falling through the cracks, yeah, and 
I mean, you heard my my show with Kristen. Yes. Talking about how schools have not picked up that ball yet. And then she's there to help make the student, make the school understand, hey, this kid has got autism you need or or neurodivergent you need to help them and you need to work with them and not let them fall through the cracks and wind up crying for help later yeah yeah and to listen Mm -hmm. and hear what that child's needs are and then get those needs met i mean that is the biggest thing and we know all of us from our own personal experience and the people, other people that we know, we know that doesn't happen enough and it needs to. And like one of my big goals is to work with the high school students and have them be more ready to take it on themselves so that when it's time, we talked about earlier in the broadcast, when it's time to build your your new group of supporters, right. your new community, yeah. You've you've kind of got that figured out a little bit by then because you were running the meeting bef- before you left the school, right? So it's right. like I I always tell parents that we're loving our kids, and but our job is to like a coach make ourselves kind of out of a job that mm-hmm. they exactly. are able to. <laughs> spread their wings not that they don't love us and want to be with us and we don't help but that like we know we've done it when they're out there living their life yeah so did i answer that in a way yeah you answered that correctly okay now i understand you and patty are collaborating on something can you tell me a little bit about that sure absolutely i first want to say that you know, Patty and I feel like, you know, best buddies forever. And I think when people meet Patty, we feel that way. Right. But we, we met a few months ago at an intensive conference and just learned so much from each other. And what kept coming up for us was the parents of autistic adults who are just struggling and panicking and that we wanted to provide a vehicle for them to meet others that were going through the same thing and to kind of have a refreshers course on what autism is and how it all works. And Patty, you want to share a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in my case, a lot of times it's the parent who is first to reach out to me um, because their adult child has just received a diagnosis at 18, 19, 23, 27. Wow. And, um, you know, the, it's a completely new situation oh, for them, sure. new um, consideration for them. And in talking to them, I realized that they were going through a lot of the same things that I went through when my son was diagnosed at eight and a half. And you, you kind of feel like you're literally the only person in the universe who's going through what you're going. And it's, it's very isolating in a way because, you know, these parents of adults, they, you know, 
their friends are not necessarily the people that they want to talk with about this. And so I, I got this idea that maybe we need to get them together with each other, because I will tell you when my son was diagnosed, my autism mom support group that I am still very active in was absolutely a godsend and so normalizing for me. And I was able to tap into people who had already been through what I was, had been through and they could tell me, you know what, it's going to be okay. Cause now, you know, what's going on, you, you know, and then you can research what autism is. What does that mean? What does that mean for my child's future? And know by talking to other people that your, the future is, can still be very, very bright. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, look at Reed as Mm -hmm. an awesome example of what's possible. You know, he's traveled the world. He didn't just get a an associates or a bachelor's or, you know, he has a master's degree and now he's like a famous podcaster. <laughs> he's going to get more degrees. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who wants to go back and get a couple more? So, um, so yeah, so I came up with that idea of that maybe we need to get these parents together. And um, when I talked to Jackie about it, she was as enthusiastic about the idea. Mm-hmm. So we decided to partner up on it. So we're going to, we're going to work together and, uh, and offer this. Reed, something comes up for me too. I mean, your story is one those parents need to hear Yeah, that you were so kind before we were on mic talking about some of the things you went through in your young adult years and mm-hmm. look at you now, what you're doing in helping others mm-hmm. and being out there in the world with this podcast. I mean, the funny thing about me is I wasn't officially diagnosed till I was in my 50s. Wow. Until I'd say 49, 50. Mm-hmm. I was noted of having autism when I was in my 20s. Wow. My primary doctor, my mother's cousin, who was a lawyer, my mom's cousin, who is a uh, was a psychiatrist, and another cousin that was a psychiatrist all said the same thing. I exhibit signs of high-functioning autism. Mm-hmm. And then I think I told Patty, I think I told you this story. When I came back from school, I was talking with a friend of mine online one day and she just comes up to me and goes, can I ask you something personal? Yeah, yeah, like, you told me this. And oh, I'm wow. like, yeah. And she's like, and I'm like, what? She's like, do you have autism? And mm-hmm. I was like blown away. And I'm like, yeah. yes, how would you guess that right off the bat? She's like, well, I, I am working as part of my psycho, my psychology degree with kid, younger kids who have it and you have some of those symptoms those traits they have not being not knowing when to say the right thing being overly friendly and i was just blown back so i appreciate that you're overly friendly i think that's a really nice trade to have when we relate right yeah i mean the the funny thing is my mom's always said i had the gift of gab but i mean i kissed the blarney stone when i was in (laughs) i kissed the blarney stone when i was in ireland oh i did too (laughs) and i wound up with a cold i hope did you wind up with one as well no i did not but i 
I want to say my sister did. That's like ringing a bell for me. I wonder if. Well, that's because that's probably because you don't know how many people have kissed it. I've got a pretty good idea because I stood in line for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the greatest story I can tell you about. I'm assuming. Well, the greatest story I can tell you about that was I befriended two kids, a boyfriend and girlfriend from Canada, and through that whole time we stuck together through our trip, through the tour, and the last day was at the Blarney Castle, and she goes into the washroom. He goes to me, "Hey, can you do me a favor?" I'm like, "Sure, what?" He's like, can you videotape me? I'm like, why? He's like, because I'm going to propose to her <gasps> at the Blarney Stone. I'm like, sure, not a problem. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you've been dating for eight years and now you're proposing? He's like, yep, <laughs> just waiting for the right time. This is it. Oh, my gosh. And now they have a baby. I mean, they're the nicest couple I've ever Aww. met. I mean, I wound up rooming with them for two mm-hmm. nights through my trip. And I still can't stay in touch with them to this day, off and on. Oh, I love that story. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. I mean, the, the story. I mean, my friendliness goes on on no bounds. I mean, New Year's, I'm I'm like my grandfather, very talkative. I'll talk to anybody, and I go into the restaurant by my house and with my two best friends, we grab some stuff to eat and then there's this, this guy there and I'm like, Hey, happy new year, man. He's like, yeah, happy new year. You too. And my friend turns to me. He's like, do you know him? I'm like, no. He's like, well, I'm like, why are you asking me that? He's like, well, I thought he was from a neighborhood or somebody your brother knows. I'm like, nope, I'm just overly friendly. Mm, I like that. I like that in a person big time. Well, I don't know if they'll kiss the, what is it? The what frog? Blarney stone. I don't know if the group that joins us, the parents will kiss the stone together, but I, but our hope is that they will build relationships and be there for each other. Um, Patty, do you remember what the link is for our class or what, what would you recommend is the best way? Because there still are some slots left. Yeah, so they just need to go to thriveautismcoaching.com mm-hmm. and go to the resources section. There's a, a page there okay. that's linked to the parent support group. And finally, Jacqueline, how can people find you? They can find me at sacredspacecoaching.net. And I'm on Instagram with sacredspace916. And Jackie, how can people find you? That's me. Yeah. I mean, and, and Patty, how can people find you? <laughs> um, I'm at thriveautismcoaching.com. And you guys know where you can find me on everything inside the AspergerStudios.com. And that is it for another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Thank you all for joining me, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks. It's the way things used to be I'm no big fan of now I must have some sweeter memories Somewhere in the cloud
gonna miss all you used to be huh. Gonna miss all you had Consigned to the dustbins of history Like opinions from your dead Talk to the freaks. You can talk to just about anybody you happen to meet. It ain't what it was, and it is what it is. 